It's time. Uh, portal season here. We're going to talk about some Florida Gators transfer portal risks, some targets on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Twitter is WNS underscore Brandon. Written work, whole nine sports giants, country Like, subscribe, comment, review. It's going to be really fun this offseason. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators for the first time is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Stock up on all your favorites at Omaha Steaks and take advantage of 50% off site-wide by shopping the friends and family sale. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout to get $30 off your order. A minimum order may be required. And now we're talking about Florida Gators transfer portal risks because, of course, Less than a week from today, the transfer portal floodgates will open. Yes, there are already some guys who have said, hey, I'm going to hit the portal December 5th. There are some grad transfers who have already hit the portal. There's a lot of things going on with the portal. It's wild. It's fun. Let's go nuts with it. Um, But I think for Florida, the biggest risk is every depth corner and every depth wide receiver. There are a ton of commits coming in for Florida for those positions. I believe it's right now off the top of my head. It's four receivers, five corners. Um, It's a lot to add into a position group where you already have quite a few bodies. And as far as players going into the draft, you've kind of only got Justin Shorter that we know is leaving. Ricky Pearsall's able to leave, and you could argue he should. There's that, which... We'll get back to uh, in this next segment as well. But Ricky Pearsall is able to leave. Argue he could. Xavier Henderson's able to leave. Doubt he does. Um, then at corner, not really anybody that you see is going to be going to the NFL at corner for the Gators this year. Um, or at least I wouldn't expect that. Staff has shown that they'll rotate at those positions. They rotated corner incessantly for the huge majority of the season. And then in recent weeks, it's kind of dialed it back. But that's partially due to injuries partially probably not super confident in, in the depth you know you lost Devin Moore for the year you've had quite a few other guys get banged up at different points in the season Jaden Hill of course started the year injured um it's it's been they've been banged up for quite a bit of the season and now when you rotate in like it, it also means that players who rotate in now let's say you're a depth corner or a depth receiver and it's your second or third season, so you're not a Billy Napier guy. Odds are, next season, the freshmen that are Billy Napier players will rotate in ahead of you, or at least there is a solid chance that they will do that. Um, That's just the nature of the beast. Coaches are going to play their guys. It's as simple as that. Aside from corners and receivers, we're looking at in the backfield for the final couple names here. Uh, And again, this is not all of the... Transfer portal risks, 
You'll probably see an O-lineman or two go in addition to the already ones. You'll probably see a D-lineman or two go. I don't know if you'll see a linebacker. Maybe Derek Wingo. Maybe Scooby Williams, depending on how unhappy they are with playing time. Maybe another DB goes. All that stuff. Uh, But Jack Miller III is someone to at least keep an eye on. I don't think he transfers out. And if he does transfer out, I don't think he transfers out right now. But it is possible. And I want Gators fans to be prepared for that. Um... You got Jalen Kitna has been, we'll say, on the rise pretty much since spring. You've got Jaden Rashada coming in with the 2023 class. You've got Max Brown on roster, who I get it. Gators fans aren't super high on because he's a three-star. Some people think he's a four-star, depending on where you're looking ranked. Like I said, I liked his tape. Uh, I realize I don't usually watch high school players and evaluate them that much unless they're committed and then they sign to the Gators because I'm not going to spend hours evaluating the kid to maybe be a Gator. I'm going to wait for the sign. So Max Brown, when he signed, I liked what he did. Um, I, yeah, I don't think that J- J- that Jack Miller III transfers out right now. It's possible. I'd say it's more likely that Let's say we go through spring ball for a couple weeks and he feels like he's clearly QB2 or clearly QB3 or even clearly QB4. I think he's probably gone. If he's not in the battle for starting QB, I think he's gone because he left Ohio State to get an opportunity here. And then if he doesn't get that opportunity here or if he doesn't feel like he's getting that opportunity here, it's hard to say, oh, you should stick it out. Just stay through. Like, no, he's probably going to transfer. That's again, like I've said, and I will continue to say, and I've said so many times, nature of the beast is what it is. Next up and final on this transfer portal risk section, Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard. Naquan Wright, of course, had a had his senior day, has, I believe, one more year of eligibility remaining. Lorenzo Lingard should have, I believe, two more years of eligibility remaining. But when it comes down to it, Montreal Johnson... Trevor Etienne, run that backfield. They run the Florida Gators backfield. And guess what? They both got eligibility, and neither of them are draft eligible. So we know they'll be back unless, for some reason, one of them wants to transfer and be like the lone lead back, but that doesn't seem like an issue at all. Um, I wouldn't think it is. You also got, I think, Naquan might be the more likely candidate because... Naquan Wright started the year as the lead back. And then he didn't even really get phased out. He started the year, he lost a couple carries, and then he got completely removed from the game plan. I know that he reportedly had some off-field stuff happening with the coaching staff, and that led to it. Lorenzo Lingard started the year not playing at all, got a couple snaps here and there, and again, he kind of faded out, but he was never really supposed to be part of the plan. But I think getting those few carries kind of let him show a little bit of what he could do. Also, Gainesville, you've got Trayon Webb coming to Gainesville. You've got Florida still active on the trail, still pursuing Mark Fletcher. Uh, Rumors that Cedric Baxter is still someone they're looking at, even though I don't think that one's going to happen. But Parmans, you've got your lead backs already set up, and they're set up for at least this year, Trevor Etienne, at least another year. You've got Trayon Webb coming in. You've got more running backs that they're looking at. You've got to say at a certain point, if you're Naquan Wright or Lorenzo Lindgard, you've got to go, okay, am I going to be involved in this offense enough where I get enough tape to show what I can do to an NFL team? 
Naquan Wright, you could argue, already has tape to show what he could do for an NFL team. Just using 2021, I think he led all SEC running backs in, in uh, catches and yards. You could show that and be like, hey, I could be that that third down back. I, I could do the Tony Pollard role that I like to say Malik Davis could do. Um, so you could say that. I don't think it's necessarily true. I don't think he's as talented as Tony Pollard or even Malik Davis at that point. But Naquan Wright you could argue, has shown what he could do. So I think you got to at least, he'll probably decide portal or draft. Don't think he's a Gator, although I do think he has one more year of eligibility, even if he stays in Gainesville due to the COVID year, if I'm not mistaken. We're about to look at some transfer portal transfer portal targets for the Florida Gators. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Fall is in the air, and that means fall grilling with cookouts tailgate parties, and so much more. Luckily, the flavor experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to savor all the flavors of fall with their mouth-watering assortments of perfectly aged steaks, ultra-juicy burgers, and easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Now is the perfect time to load up on all this incredible flavor and take advantage of 50% off site-wide by shopping their friends and family sale. Go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. Don't wait, just do it now. It's not just steaks, by the way. Like I said, it's got burgers. They got more than that. It's awesome. Don't forget, extra $30 off your order when you use LOCKEDON at checkout. You won't come close to getting this kind of quality at the grocery store. I can promise you that. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Minimum order may be required. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. I will preface this by saying this. I am only talking about players who have said they're hitting the portal. I am not talking about rumors. I'm not talking about Sam Hartman. I know is someone that Florida Gators fans have heard quite a bit recently. It's been going on Twitter. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know, but... I'm not talking about rumors. I'm not talking about anything else. I'm talking about players that have either already hit the portal or said they will hit the portal December 5th, starting with my favorite guy on this list, Dominic Lovett. My goodness, when he said he was hitting the portal, I got excited. He's more of a slot receiver than anything else, which worries me, but also doesn't worry me. It kind of worries me because Billy Napier wasn't good at using two slot receivers or having two slot receivers on the field at the same time. He doesn't like doing that because if you have two slot receivers, you have probably no tight end or no running back. One of them is going to come off the field, so not going to happen. But Ricky Pearsall is draft eligible. You could argue production's not there. You cannot argue that the tape isn't there. He looks good on film. He does. He's a very good route runner. He's dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's a great playmaker. He is the modern NFL wide receiver. He's the guy where you can get the ball to him in space and let him make plays. If he's gone, you're looking for a new slot receiver. I Dominic Love. It would be fantastic. I don't know what any of these kids' goal is in, in transferring. I don't know if they're trying to take a step up, step down, bigger program, NIL, whatever it might be. I don't know, and I don't care. Um if I think that Florida should look at them, I'm going to say Florida should look at them. Dominic Lovett, insanely explosive as an athlete, great playmaker. And as far as being a receiver, not a single drop this season on 76 targets. One drop, one 
in two seasons at Missouri. I believe it was on 112 combined targets. So that's fantastic, especially for a Florida Gators team that dealt with drops every now and then this year. So you have someone who you can rely on for that. He's also the receiver that leading into Missouri versus Florida, there was a play that I talked about quite a bit where Brady Cook rolled out to his right. He was extending the play. And there was a receiver that was covered, found space, and just ran to the open space. And that was Dominic Lovett. Uh, That was Dominic Lovett, that Brady Cook, great play by Brady Cook, great play by Dominic Lovett. It was fantastic. You look for that kind of, I don't want to say backyard football style, but you look at someone who can extend the play, and Dominic Lovett can do just that. So if you're looking at a wide receiver, if you're looking at a slot, I think you look at Dominic Lovett. I get it. We have Eugene Wilson the third coming in. We have Aiden Mizell coming in. We have a bunch of good players coming in. But Dominic Lovett is proven, very talented, high ceiling. You can bring him in and he could start immediately and you could rotate in the other guys and then say, okay, now next year is all you guys. At quarterback, Jeff Sims is someone that, uh, again, this is not someone that I think Florida should necessarily go for. I don't, I don't, think you should avoid him. I'm just not super sold on it. Fantastic athlete, big arm. I don't think he's athletic. He's as athletic as Anthony Richardson, although I will say different kind of athlete. Uh, AR is obviously the big burly athlete. Jeff Sims, not as much. Uh, His arm isn't as big as Anthony Richardson. He throws it probably about as accurate, if not slightly more accurate than Anthony Richardson he makes the safer throw consistently. Uh, he's not a very risky passer. And by me saying I don't know if uh, if Florida should target him, I'm kind of talking about you tried it. Like, like You tried taking the big athlete with a big arm, and you tried making him be what you think he could be, and you didn't do a great job at developing him quick enough and getting him up to speed ready enough for the season You could also argue that Jeff Sims, due to his, I think, three years of starting starting experience, is already way farther ahead in his development. So you kind of know there's going to be less variance into, are we getting, you know, uh, Tennessee Anthony Richardson or are we getting Kentucky Anthony Richardson? You kind of get to cut out that variance a little bit because you've got three years of tape on Jeff Sims. Uh, He's got two years of eligibility remaining. He's a Jacksonville kid. So, of course, Gators fans saw him at the portal and like, okay, Anthony Richardson is going to the draft probably. Jeff Sims, come in and replace him. You could do that. I'm I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying that I I get worried about the coaching staff's ability to develop him, um, which is a genuine concern that I have. Jaden Rashada will be a true test for them to see how you develop him and get him up to speed. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just saying I also think that you probably should change up the offense a little bit. Jeff Sims will probably be more aggressive running the ball. Um, I think Anthony Richardson is very clearly like, hey, NFL teams want me, so and, and they want me, like they value me a lot, so I'm not trying to get hurt here. Whereas if you have, I don't know, Jeff Sims, it's less about I'm going to be a high draft pick and more about can I become a high draft pick. I think that's a different level that we're talking about, which, uh, again, I'm interested to see what he can do. Jeff Sims this season had 405 rushing yards, played in seven games, had 405 rushing yards there. 
Um, and of those 405, 137 came on scrambles, 268 came on design runs. So he's fine keeping it. He's fine scrambling. Could be a good fit. It's just that the coaching staff is willing to adjust more. And last one is Kyle Morlock. Florida has already been in contact with him. Uh, I think it was on three that initially tweeted it out. Uh, he goes to Shorter University, D2, two-time All-American at D2 level, looking for a bump up, I'm assuming, in competition. That's why he's going. Florida could use some help at tight end. Uh, a lot of depth. It's clear that Dante Sanders isn't going to get the job done as a starting tight end. Keon Zipper, helpful as a receiver, not great as a blocker. And I know that the Lockdown Gators Discord and, and Twitter has been like, oh, Florida needs a tight end. Why aren't they recruiting tight ends, high school tight ends? I think that the reason for that is that you have a lot of depth. You have a lot of young depth. You have three freshman tight end there already and Tony Livingston coming in December, January. So you've got four freshman tight end coming in. You don't have anybody committed, sure. But I don't think you need to get a high school commit because you need someone that can contribute early. And in most cases, that is not a high school tight end. So you bring in Kyle Morlock coming up from D2. He's got a couple years of experience. He could step in right away. He needs to be brought up to speed a little bit, but he could also just step in and become an instant contributor for you, potentially an instant starter. I think you go after Kyle Morlock. I know they already are. They've already got, they've already been in a contact as says, I think it was like Tennessee and Alabama and LSU and all these other schools. Florida, go get him. Make him your new starting tight end and go win some football games. We're about to take a look at the defensive transfer portal and who Florida can target. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks again. Making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. To wrap up today's show, before we even get into it, reminder, these are only people that have said they'll hit the portal or have already hit the portal. There's a lot of guys who haven't yet. And even from the time that I record this on Monday evening, there will almost certainly be guys that hit the portal after and before the episode comes out. So don't think I missed anyone or forgot anyone if they, you know, if they're like a late Monday night portal hit. Don't think I missed him. Don't think I forgot him. I'll get to him eventually if I think the Gators should go after them. First up, though, Antonio Greer, uh, South Florida linebacker, hit the portal at the time recording this earlier today. Um, for you listening, he hit the portal yesterday. Preseason all-conference, but only played three games this year. He dealt with hamstring injuries. He had personal issues. Uh, the loss of his father caused him to miss at least one game. He's got one year of eligibility remaining. And one of the three games that... Antonio Greer played this season was against the Florida Gators and it was a pretty good game for him, especially as someone who's coming from South Florida, stepping up in competition against the Florida Gators played a pretty good game for Antonio Greer. I liked what I saw. I think he's less of a, uh, less of like a freak athlete type, but I think you could ask him to step in and fill in either Ventra Miller role as like a lesser, uh, like, like at least like a less talented Ventra Miller or you can ask him to step in and basically replace Amari Bernie and have Shamar James replace Ventro Miller, and then you've got your linebacker set for the 2023 season. So, yeah, I like Antonio Greer. I like what I saw on tape from him against South Florida or against Florida versus South Florida. Um, and again, Antonio Greer could most likely, at the very least, rotate in early on. I believe he's looking for a step up from South Florida. Obviously, he's an all-conference caliber player, so he's not looking for a step down. Uh, and so Antonio Greer is a name to keep an eye on, and hopefully 
Florida pursues him. Next up is Danell Harris Jr. from Texas A&M. The final three guys on this list are Texas A&M because they're all even. Uh, Danell Harris Jr. is a former top 100 recruit. Harris is someone that Jimbo Fisher said in August was medically retired, um, which is instantly like a massive red flag, of course, because it's like, okay, why did he medically retire? And Florida saw the same thing happen with Keontae Johnson on the basketball team where he was medically retired or he wouldn't be cleared to play. And then a couple of years later, now he's playing for Kansas State. So yeah, uh, medically retired is different for every university. We know Florida also had Gage Wilcox medically retire in this past spring, but who knows? Maybe at some point he transfers and goes somewhere that will clear him. That's the thing too, where it's like, Medical retirement doesn't necessarily mean, oh, he can't play anymore. It means this university or this team will not clear him to play anymore. That's a big difference there. Uh, my contact is bothering me so much right now. Um, Daniel Harris Jr. only played 24 snaps between 2020 and 2021. He didn't play this year because of the medical retirement. Again, curious to see what that is. Um, Elijah Judy is another one. Daniel Harris was an edge. Elijah Judy also an edge. Just 21 snaps played in his two seasons at XM. So another 20-ish snap guy who didn't play for two seasons at Texas AM. Uh, but Elijah Judy is listed at 6'3, 295 pounds. That has me very curious as to if Florida looks at him, what would they do with him? Because 6'3, 295 is big. Like, like that is a large individual where I believe the heaviest Jack linebacker on this team right now is 263, if I'm not mistaken, or at least listed as 263, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just, yeah, Jack Pyburn is 263. Um, everybody else pretty much is in the 240s, 230s range. So interesting to see what he would do there. If he would play that Jack role, and if he does play Jack, do they ask him to trim down? Do they have him play at that weight if they think that he can still be effective at that weight? But you look at the 295, that's 50 pounds heavier than Prince Leon Mielin. That's four pounds lighter than Jalen Lee, who plays nose tackle, and that's only an inch taller than Jalen Lee. So it's not like it's like a huge gap. Same height, 10 pounds lighter than Chris McClellan. So do you have him play that DN spot rotationally with Prince Leon Mielin? Do you have him play an inside-out role? Like we saw Zachary Carter play. Of, of course, it was with Todd Grantham, but like we saw Zachary Carter play where he's a D-end or D-tackle, depending on what he's needed at. Does he play the three-tech like Jervon Dexter? Does he play Jack? So it's very curious and very interesting to see what happens with Elijah Judy, Danelle Harris Jr. And the last player is Ish Harris, who, um, yeah, we could talk about that where he's an off-ball linebacker. He's a four-star linebacker, great athlete. And he is part of the messy part of NIL, like where it's not necessarily dirty or anything like that. But you you feel like when you see, oh, like they paid for their recruits, Ish kind of confirmed that, where Ish retweeted a tweet that said uh, these Texas A&M kids got their NIL bag and they were then going to the schools they really want. So that's kind of the thing where people, when NIL became a thing, people were like, oh, this is going to screw up the game. That's kind of what it was. Um, so not not sure what he would do. His finalists were Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Miami, as long as uh, as well with Texas A and M. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure Florida will kick the tires. I think Florida should kick the tires on him. You need linebacker help for 2023. 
And we're going to have way more portal kids to talk about. For But for today, that's it. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We'll be back tomorrow talking more Florida Gators football. Maybe coaching carousel, maybe transfer portal. We'll see. For your second listen, check out Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryofSI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.